Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adeomi again. And I'm going through the book of... Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adeomi again. We are going through the letters of Apostle Paul to Timothy. We are now going to chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Apostle Paul in this, is starting this chapter off by telling about prophecies. I'll read it and then stop and give some explanation. Read along with me. Take your Bible. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, this, this thing that the Apostle Paul listed here as signs of the end and some of the things that will be happening around the world, that have been going on off, off and on, off and on, and in this end of the world it's already going. He said they will be forbidden to marry. We say, why well, is there any group that's forbidden anybody to marry at all? Well, and we don't know whether there's any particular denomination. He's not talking about churches or denominations. He's just talking about what is going, what will be going on in the world. He said they will be forbidden people to marry and command to abstain from meats. Well, you can say some people always the in the in the in the dietary laws, some will say, well, don't eat this kind of food, it may be, get you sick and so on. But you have to remember when the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about it is not what we eat that we make us unclean, it's what he was saying. Because the Jews have their law that said you are not to eat this, you are not to eat that. And then when Christ came, he was making us to see that it is not what you put in your mouth that makes you unclean. It is what comes out of your mouth. Because the uncleanness they were talking about, they were thinking of, is the spiritual uncleanness. Spiritual uncleanness. And Christ is saying, the what you put in your mouth does not bring you into spiritual uncleanness. It is what comes out of your mouth. The words that you say can make you unclean. The evil thoughts, the adultery, he said they come from the heart. The behavior, those are the things that make you unclean. So the meat you eat does not make you unclean. Well, in wisdom, we have to remember, some meat can make somebody sick, sickly, sick, physically sick. And if those food or that animal or those meat carrying jams can make somebody sick, you are not helping you. But a sick person, if he's a believer and dies with that sickness, we still go to heaven. You have to remember that. So that's why we are not talking about the spiritual uncleanness that we send people to hell. The spiritual uncleanness is the adultery, the fornication. Those are also evil thoughts that come from the heart. You have to plan it from your heart before you go do it. Stealing, murder. They are all things people plan and then they, it's coming from the heart. They then go and implement it or say it out. Those are all the things that defile a man. He said to eat the physical meat does not defile a man. So that's why Apostle Paul is referring to that. In the last, some people will be emphasizing the physical meat, as if if you eat this, you are you are ungodly. See, that is what Apostle Paul referred to. No, there is nothing like that. He said all that God has created is nothing to be refused. They are good if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Verse six: If thou put the brethren in remembrance of this thing, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Where unto thou hast attained. So he wanted Timothy to keep emphasizing or reminding believers regularly of what is coming in the future and what 
the Christian lifestyle is. And we are not under the law of touch this not, don't taste that, that as if that is how we are going to please God. It's not by the meat, so that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and holiness in the Holy Ghost. So it's not what you eat or meat that's going to please God or not please God. But if God gave you instruction that fast for two days and you refuse to, well, that will not be meat or eating, it is disobedience. See, there are two different things. Are you disobedient or you are just, it's not just because of the meat or drink you are eating, it's the disobedience that matters in that case. Now, went further in verse 7. Say, but refuse profane and all wise fables and exercise their self rather unto godliness. This is an exhortation to Timothy, and we should take it of that. Say, refuse profane and all wise, old wise fables. Whatever that means, means that all things that does not really edify spiritually, it's just stories and stories, and some people call it jokes. And some places, some preachers, before they start their preaching, they will crack some jokes. Some of those jokes may be as a, a indirect lies. So you have to be careful of what, what you are doing, what you are seeing. Because we are, said every I do what that we speak, we, we, we are going to be held accountable in the day of judgment. So some of those jokes may even be indirectly lies, and we don't want to be lying. Verse 8. See, bodily exercise profited little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of this life that now is and of that which is to come. Well, Apostle Paul was talking about bodily exercise here because he knew uh, Timothy was a young man, and as young men in their 20s, in their 30s, exercising, going to play soccer, going to play football, and all those type of things, is part of their life. And it's, they have, those things have some benefits. If you exercise, you're healthy, you'll be healthy, and so on and so on. Apostle Paul said, yeah, he profited a little, but the more thing that we profit more is the godliness, righteousness, the living for Christ, living for the Bible, living, telling the truth and righteousness. Those are, he said, those are profitable unto eternal life. A promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. So it's not saying you should not do bodily exercise. It's just reminding him that, well, as a minister of the gospel now, yes, you are a young man, you want to do all those physical exercises, but make sure you you have priorities. You do that at some time, but uh, most of the time, the righteousness that you are living, the lifestyle of Christ, is a is an exercise also. You have to do something. That's an exercise. Anything you do physically, you read your Bible, you study to show yourself approved. It's an exercise. You are exercising your your brain to pick up the word of God to memorize the scriptures. So it's an exercise. He said that that exercise of righteousness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of the life we now have, that is God giving you the supernatural power, is the promise of life now. And of that which is to come, then you are going to be in that eternal life also when you, in, the, in the kingdom of God when it comes. Verse 9. This is a faithful say and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. So you can see Apostle continually remind Timothy, that all this I'm teaching you, you teach other people also. Command it and teach it. You as a pastor, you should remind yourself that this is what you should be teaching for the believers. So everybody should take care of all this exhortation also. Verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. In word, in conversation, in charity as in love, in spirit as in fervency, in faith and in purity. Paul does mean by to be an example of believer. 
that is is expected to be a pastor. So his lifestyle, his words of his mouth, his behaviors, his reaction to people should be showing all these attributes. In your conversation must be must be godly and be around the word of God. You are exhorting people by the word of God in showing love, in fervency for the gospel, or showing faith, exercising faith. You must be an example in showing purity. Not that they find you still doing some secrecy with some opposite sex that would be questionable. He said that make sure that you are pure before men. Verse 13. He said, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. That means the elders lay hand upon Timothy. And whatever gift was imparted upon him, he said, don't neglect it. If it's a gift of prophecy, make sure you use it. If it's a gift of, uh, of uh, being able to speak in other languages, speaking diverse kind of tongues, make sure you use it. He said, don't neglect the gift that is in thee, that was given to you through the laying hand of hands. Verse 15 says, Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. So give yourself wholly to all these things we are talking about. Make sure you are doing all of these things so that you are profiting. Whatever you are getting from it, everybody can see that yes, this man, this brother is, is increasing, is progressing in, in faith. Verse 16 Take it unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now that's a good exhortation for everybody that is a teacher. You teaching people the word of God, you also have to continue in that thing that you are teaching them. So that you save yourself and know those that are hearing you also will be saved. Because just telling them and yourself not doing it, they will look at your example. And then they are things that they themselves will not do it. But as you teach it and do it, then they will also be challenged to do what you have been what they have been hearing from you. That's how you are going to save yourself and save them. Now we're going to go into chapter five. Now in this chapter 5, Apostle Paul now is going to is talking to Timothy how to address the elders in the church, this elderly in age, and also going to talk about how to address the elderly women. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 5. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. Now, that is straightforward, that's not any much explanation. It's simply telling Timothy that there are elders in the church, they got converted when they are already in their 60s, in their 50s, and Timothy was just a 20-year-old or 25-year-old or 30-year-old young man that is the pastor. So that better address those elders as fathers and respect them like me and treat them as a father. The young men, they are your brethren, just Address them as your brethren, your brothers, and the women, your sisters. The elderly women, you see, treat them as mothers. They are old enough to be your mom as well. Treat them as mothers. The younger women, treat them as sisters. They are your sisters. Say so with all purity, that is, you're a young man, and there's a young woman in your church, let there be no accusation. Be pure. When you are ready to marry, you choose the right fellow for yourself. But let them not be seeing you in, in a improper behavior with some of the young women. That, that we call impurity. Verse 3. 
honor widows that are widows indeed. And it's going to qualify who are the widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first in to show piety at home and to requite their parents. For that is good and acceptable before God. Now the reason why Apostle Paul is talking about this is the widows are people that have lost their husband and in that generation especially, most of the women don't do any other work. They just take care of the house. So if the man that is providing the, the, the bread, the breadwinner is dead, the women are almost like a, uh, in a, in a abandoned, forsaken situation, abandoned situation, they are desolate is the word I'm looking for. Because they are desolate financially, the, uh, the, the group, the body of Christ, the church, uh, be have to begin to help them financially also. So he's saying they should be honored, and I mean taking care of them is what he means by honoring them. But he said if these women are, if the widow are women that already have children, maybe their children are already grown up, then their children should be taking care of their mom, not uh, the church. So that's what he's addressing it. So if any widow have children, or they have just have nephews, I mean people that are related to them, that are also in the church especially, that you can, the pastor can talk to them. This is your aunt, your aunt even though she is a widow now, even though she has no children of her own, or she has children that are not, uh, not able to take care of her, then the nephews can also tap in. That's what she, Apostle Paul is saying, that if they have children or they have nephews, they should show piety at home to their parents, to requite their parents. For that is good and acceptable before God. It's a responsibility for you to take care of your fathers and your mothers. That include those aunts and uncles that are desolate, that needed your help. That's what Apostle Paul is pointing out in verse 2, in verse 4. Verse 5 says, Now she that is a widow indeed, and desolate, trusted in God, and continued in supplications and prayers night and day. So he's saying that there are some that are widows indeed. They don't have anybody to take care of them. They don't have nephews or the nephews are far away. And they don't have children that are going to be able to take care of them, then, then they are really going to be desolate. Those are the ones that say they are widows indeed. They, those, those widows, you also say that they are trusting in God. They are continuing in prayer and supplication all night and day. They give their life to God now, because there is nothing, there's nothing here they are responsible for and just giving their life to God. They don't have a husband to take care of, neither do they have children, and there are also no children to, to, for, to, to take care of them. So they are going to be desolate. That's why he, is the, those are the widows indeed. Verse 7 said, verse 6 said, but she that liveth in pleasure, if, they, if, they, if there's one that's a widow, but because she has a lot of money, because left, by, left behind by her husband, and she's living in pleasure. He said, he's dead, why she live it? Because most widows, they are desolate, they are always into prayer and trusting God and looking for the day they will join their husband that has, been, that has passed on to glory. But if they are living in pleasure, they say they are dead, why do they live? That's, that's not a good behavior. Verse 7. And this says, give in charge that they may be blameless. And verse 8 says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. So if somebody is in the church, a believer, and he has a, a hound that is desolate and you cannot take care of the hound, 
they say you are, you are worse than the infidel. Or if you are a believer, you have a mom or a dad that is old and desolate and mostly they are called widows are with your women. A mom that is a desolate woman and you have not enough money to provide for them, then you, you better get some more money to help them. He said if you, are, if you don't provide for your own, your family members that are desolate, he said you are worse than an infidel. You are worse than an unbeliever. So you are worse, that's what he's saying. If you be a believer, you should be somebody that fear God as God said, honor your father and your mother. So how do you honor them? Taking care of them in their old age. But they have taken care of you when you are young, when you are little, when you don't even know your right hand from your left. When you are just four months old, six months old, one year old, and those, that mother take, took care of you. Now that she is desolate in her old age, you better take care of her. That's what Apostle Paul is pro proposing here. That anyone that is in the church and does not do that, to provide for his own family members that are widows, so they are worse than infidel. Verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old, having been the wife of one man. So he's saying the widow that the church, the, the group, can be taken care of have to be somebody that is above 60. That's what she Apostle is proposing. He said that if he's uh, if he's not if he's under 60 years old. That means she's still a young woman, even though she has lost her husband. She's like 45, she's 55, and she lost her husband. She shouldn't she, she be taken care of by the church. If, the, if she, she can still marry, marry, because at that age, she could still remarry. That's what she's proposing. Younger women can still remarry. But if they are 60 and above, they have got to retain. There is no need for them to, to go and be looking for a marriage. The church can take care of that's why he was proposed. Let not a widow be taken to the number. I mean, how many widows are your church? Is your church supporting? He said, if he are, they are still under, under 60, they shouldn't be counted as widows that have been that are desolate. He said, even give more qualification, not just 60 years. He said, they have to be the wife of one man. That is, they have lived with their husband for all their adult life, they have only married one person, and that man is dead now. For by them to be 60, that means they have been married for at least 30, 40, 30, 30, 30, something years. So that's what Apostle Paul is saying. Then they can be classified as widows indeed that the church can take care of. He also was said the, the widow also have to be well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, and she has raised children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, that is, she has been helping the body of Christ, the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. So he said, those are all the qualities that a, a widow, that a widow in this should have. So if they are not doing all those things, they have not been, they have not raised children. Actually, if they have raised children, their children should be taken care of them also. But at least they are counted as widows. Does not mean that the church will be sending, will be Financially supporting them, if they have children, he has said that in the upfront, children should be taken care of their parents. But they are also going to still be classified as widows, whether they have, whether the children are supporting them or not, or whether the church is taking care of them or not. Verse 11. But the younger widows refuse. That means don't accept them as widows if they are younger. For when they have begun to wax wanting against Christ, they will marry. So he's saying actually it's better for them to just marry. So that they don't say they are widows and then they 
they, he said they have become wax wanting against Christ. They can't keep their, they say they are not going to marry, they are going to keep, to keep themselves celibate for the rest of their life and they are still young because they are now widowed because their husband died. They may not be able to carry that for too, for long, that's what he meant. They will wax wanting against Christ and then they will marry. So don't make a promise which you cannot keep it. Verse 12. They say they are they have in damnation because they have cast off their first feet. And if they have said, oh, we're going to stand, we're not going to marry again, we're going to just live for Christ, and, and they're still in their younger age. For 10 years, 5 years, 10 years, they begin to feel lonely, and very soon they'll get married again. They throw away their, all this, all this bull-faced declaration, like Apostle Paul said, oh, I will never deny it. But that was still in the flesh. When the threat comes, without the Holy Ghost, the giving. So that's why Apostle Paul is saying, saying the same thing to widows. That if they are younger widows, don't carry, carry their widow, let them go and marry. But if they try to say they are going to stay, they are not going to marry anymore, they might, after some few years, they will realize that they can't keep that oath. And if I start saying, and without, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but thoughtless also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. So Apostle just heaping all of these things that some of these attributes of gossiping can be easily found in, in such women that are not occupied, they are not busy. Because that's what I mean by they are idle. They learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, gossiping. That's what he was referring to. That does not mean that all women are like that. They simply say it's very easy for people to fall into that category. If they are idle and they are, have no husband, they are responsible for anyone. Verse 14. So I will therefore that the younger women, now he's talking of all younger women, not just widows now. The younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So you I can say, well, Apostle Paul was not the tower that be promoting that everybody should be reverend sisters, they celebrate like they see in some churches. They want to make a vow of a of a Whatever they call the vow of being a, a celibate, a nun, or monks. No, that was not God because not calling anybody to go and be a monk or a nun. Some churches have that in their organization, but that's not the New Testament doctrine at all. It says, younger women should marry, be a children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Therefore, some are already turned outside after Satan. Verse 16. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be shocked, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. So, you see what I was talking, Apostle Paul was referring to how whether the church should take care of the widows or the widows should be taken care of their, by their relatives. You see, if they have relatives, sons, daughters that are in the church also, they are the ones that should take care of their widowed parents and not the church you will not be responsible for that. Verse 17, let the elders that rule well, now that's talking of elders, the bishops and all those people that are in authority, be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. That is those who are teaching, they study the word of God to teach others. And they may be the, be, be the pastor or bishop, they may not also be, they may not be the pastor, they just are uh, well versed in the scriptures and they 
took time to study and to be the one to present exhortation or sermons in the congregation. He said they should be honored, double honored for the job they are doing. Because they are not being paid for this. And in the days of Apostle neither are the pastors being paid, but whatever the church is contributing as, as tithes and offerings, they most likely will use that to pay pastors. But most of these elders are not paid for teaching or preaching. They're just doing it for the joy of serving the Lord. And that is what we still up to today. It's not like we are paid ministers of the gospel. No. God is the one that's paying us by giving us job that we that's paying us. Verse 18. For the scriptures say, Thou shalt not muscle the ox that treaded out the corn. The laborer is worthy of his reward. In short, he's saying, Give them double honor. He didn't say they should be paid salary. He said, Honor them for the work they are doing, which they are voluntarily doing. And that's why he's quoting the scripture that says, The laborer is worthy of his reward. The, the reward they are getting is the honor you give to them as a, as a teacher of the gospel. And they are slavery to be because before you can go and teach the gospel, you have to study it yourself to to please to remember to practice what you what you want to say, and that is in itself it is like a job, and that's why he said give them double honor. Verse nineteen, against an elder receive not an accusation. Now you can see everything that Paul is talking about in the, to the, Timothy is saying that out of what you will practice among believers in the church, in the midst of believers in the local church. He's laying it down for a, for a young pastor what how to undo things. He said, if any, any elder was accused of something, don't just receive the accusation. But let it be before two or three witnesses. Get evidence, get witness that this man really did something that you say is in it before you bring it before the man himself. So them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. Now if they have actually sinned, he said, don't just say secretly to them. Rebuke them before all, so that the others also may fear. You say, is that possible? Is that allowed? Yeah, that's what Apostle say. As the pastor of the congregation, he's, he's an overseer for that group. He could, he could bring it before the church. That's what he meant. Rebuke anyone that's seen before the whole congregation, so that they will, the others will fear not to do similar things. Verse 21, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay on solely on no man, neither be particular of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. That is, don't just jump to begin to. Even when you want to pray for people, say, they shall lay upon the sick and the sick shall recover. You have to get the agreement of the fellow you want to pray for. Why? Because it will not even work if you are not in agreement. So when you say don't lay hands solely on somebody, you think you are doing him in favor. No, lay hands solely on no man. You have to agree with him. If you want to be prayed for by laying of hands, then you agree with him because this if two of which are if two of you shall agree concerning the matter is what Jesus Christ said. The same thing with laying hands of hands. You have to agree. If you want to pray for somebody, can I lay my hand on you? I remember when I when I met here, when I me and my wife just got married, we went to a a, a woman that was the principal of her school where she was working and she was the woman was sick in the hospital in the house and she had been sick before in the hospital and she's, she was now in the house and we pay high visit and i was a visitor just came back from from overseas and the woman also was said to be a believer from one of those churches so when she were, when they were describing the problem what she had to face and so on 
and now she everything was getting better now. I wanted to see whether I could pray for her. Can I lay my hand upon you and pray for you? That's what I said. I was a minister of the gospel, but of course she didn't know me. I'm not from their church. I was just I just a visitor come to town. So I said, Can I lay my hand upon you and pray for you? She said, No, if you want to pray, you just pray right there where you're sitting. But I said, Well, in that case, I don't need to pray. And that that is what Apostle said, don't lay hands on anybody. Why didn't you do one say I can ask you just pray? Well she rejected my because I I believe in laying hand upon the sick and the sick can recover. And that is what came to my spirit on that day that I can lay my hand upon her and she will recover speedily instead of the health, health uh, uh, the medicine, the medicine we take care of you by and by. And and I just I didn't have to introduce myself. She she knew I was a believer, I was a believer and my wife a believer. Not from the same church, she was from another church. And I said, Well, can I pray for you and lay my upon you? He said, No, if you want to pray, just pray from where I'm sitting. So I said, Well, okay, in that case, I don't need to pray. Not in anger, I just said, Well, in that case, I didn't pray. I just said, Well, in that case, it's not necessary. And we visited her and I left. So that is what Apostle Paul is referring to here to, to Timothy. He said, Lay hands on no man. That should be agreement. Neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep that say pure. Now, uh, this is a personal instruction to Timothy when he said, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach sick and thy often infirmities. Some people have pointed to this Bible verse to say, Oh, you can drink wine. Apostle Paul is talking of something that is particular to a particular person. Maybe he knew that this man has some problem with his stomach because they, they live together. And he said, well, When you drink the water, maybe the water is the one that is polluted. Maybe you don't drink water because in those days they don't have a pipe, no pipe water that is clean and filtered. So he, some people will react to it. So he noticed that that might be the problem of Timothy and say, well, don't drink water. People use wine when they drinking food, they eating their food. They drink a little wine. That's not alcoholic wine, but things that is not directly water, but it's a, it's a call it wine, whatever you call it, it's wine. So he said, drink a little wine. It's better than drinking water that's already unfiltered that's going to give you all those uh, stomach problems. That's why I say for thy stomach sick. Because Apostle Paul was familiar with what the man what Timothy was going through. That's why I was able to explain that. I will continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you.